Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. This is Journeys with Jen, and I'm Jennifer Griego. And I climb like hell through the brush and the bramble. Even though I had my doubts, told myself don't look down. And I turned that hill into a pile of gravel. It was only a Today, this is a different kind of podcast. I recorded the um, kind of interview a couple of days ago when I was in Tucson for my clinic visit. Um, I talked to Monica Varela, who is the research coordinator for the, uh, the clinical trial that I'm on in Tucson. Since I recorded the podcast with my mom and Monica earlier this week, I am kind of doing the intro and like the ending by myself because my parents are actually in Vail, Colorado right now. They just did a hike for CF. They did around 18 miles with a bunch of other CF parents and um, I think one other or a couple other CF people and they raised over $100,000 for CF. So I'm very thankful for everyone who went on that Vail hike in Colorado Um, and I'm thankful to my parents for doing that. Like I said, it was about 18 miles. It was a very tough hike with elevation and everything like that. So I'm so thankful to them for doing that for me and for everyone who did that for everyone else with CF. I'm so grateful to all of you. Um, so that's kind of why I'm by myself. That's why there's no movie lines. That's why there's no other commentary. It's just kind of me today. Well, for this part anyway. Um, but yeah, so for this podcast today, I talked to Monica Varela. She is the research coordinator at Banner Medical Hospital at the U of A. I don't remember the exact name, but it's something like that. She is in charge of the clinical trial that I am in in Tucson, and she does a great job. And so I wanted to talk to her about everything that goes into a clinical trial. Obviously, we have to keep some things kind of general because we can't talk about that specific trial. Um, and a lot of it is kind of confidential between the you know, patient doctor confidentiality. So uh, we talked about a lot of clinical trials in general, how they affect people, how important they are. And it was really interesting to hear Monica's point of view, given that I have basically only seen the patient's point of view because I'm the patient and what my mom brings into that. So it was really cool to hear um, what goes in from the uh, from the research coordinator standpoint and everything that she does when she works with the patients. She runs the clinical trials there and obviously I talked to her about that. I was there with my mom so we talked to her a little bit about the clinical trial and how she got me on that certain one in Tucson but it is a little bit of a shorter podcast because we did it after my clinic appointment which is a couple hours long and we do a bunch of different stuff which I mentioned and so obviously Monica is a very busy person considering all of the clinical trials she runs and all the stuff she has to do at the hospital so we try to keep it short and just kind of talk about clinical trials specifically and how they help. Yeah she had a lot to talk about and it was very interesting to hear kind of from the research coordinator's point of view clinical trials and how they work and how important they are so yeah this is my interview with her. Right now, I'm at my clinic appointment in Tucson, and the research coordinator is Monica Varela. She um, kind of runs the trial um, from the clinic side of it. She works with the Banner University of Arizona Medical Center, and right now she's running four clinical trials. So, uh, hey Monica, and how you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Right now, I'm at one of my clinic appointments in Tucson, and so we just did kind of the usual we do um 
a blood draw, uh, PFTs, which is like my lung function, uh, ECG, and other, what is that called again? Why can't I think of the word? Vitals. Yes. Oh, yeah. Vitals. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I can think of. Um, anyway, so I just kind of want to talk to you, Monica, about clinical trials and kind of, first of all, why are clinical trials important to have? Clinical trials are necessary so that we can find out um, what drugs actually work and how effective they are and how safe they are and what doses to use. So um, for clinical trials, is it do they kind of set, this is the drug, this is how much is going to be used, and then that's a set for the trial, or do they ever alter it in the middle of a trial, or does it kind of set the way it was at the beginning? So in phase one clinical trials, they look mostly at doses, mm -hmm. and those trials are usually done on healthy individuals without the disease that they're looking at studying, mm -hmm. and that's kind of how they sort out what doses to use. Um, and then in phase two clinical trials, in phase one trials, I'm sorry, let me go back a little, are very small. Mm. In phase two clinical trials, they're a little bit bigger, um, usually have between like 100 to 300 people, and they look at um, sometimes a couple of different doses, but they've narrowed it down quite a lot, and they look at safety as well mm. in those clinical trials. Um, and those trials are usually, anywhere from a few months to up to a year. And then phase three clinical trials look mostly at safety because they've already worked out what doses are best and work best, and they're looking at longer term safety. So phase mm -hmm. three clinical trials are generally longer, mm -hmm. up to a year or two. Okay, wow, that's so interesting. Um, I've been in, I think this is my second or third clinical trial. Um, and so through the process of a clinical trial, once they've gotten the data from the drug and from all the different people and if they've chosen that like combination of, med of medicine or whatever it is to go on to be um be given out to people like through the FDA kind of what is a little bit of the process from taking the drug from the clinical study to the FDA and getting it through that so when we're doing phase three clinical trials, um, and if you've got to phase three, you have a good formula. That means it, it works pretty much. Drug manufacturers know that um, if they've got to phase three with success, they know that it's likely to get FDA approval. Um, but during that time, what um, you can expect to happen is, it's really important that you continue with the f clinical trials um, when it's, submitted to the FDA for approval, the FDA is going to look at AEs and how, and an AE is an adverse event, so that's anything that is different from your normal baseline health at all, whether it's related to the study medicine that you think or not. It could be a broken bone and people might not think it's related because, well, they fell and broke their bone, but if enough people have broken bones, they might link it to the formula making your bones brittle. Um, so you can expect when there's, um, when the drug is submitted to the FDA that the FDA will be looking at um, your AEs, they'll be looking at all the primary endpoints for study drugs and it's different depending on clinical trials and what they're, um, they're telling the FDA is the therapeutic action of the drugs. So from a patient's perspective, um, they can expect to have 
lots of blood draws at every single visit so that we can monitor safety. Um, they can expect to do different procedures depending on what kind of clinical trial it is. For um, clinical trials that look at medications for lung health, you can expect to have to do spirometry. Um, there will be questionnaires to look at quality of life to see how this drug is impacting your quality of life. You can expect to have electrocardiograms done frequently so that we can monitor your heart safety, make sure that it's safe. Um, what else can they look at? Um, depending on the clinical trial itself too, you can also expect other tests. Um, sometimes you can expect tons of questionnaires, um, but you can definitely depend on having your vitals done so that we can look at your growth too. If they're clinical trials that involve um, people under the age of 18 or even 21. Obviously, different medications vary for different things, but if there's like a medication, say for CF, for example, mm -hmm. would they, when they pick people for the trial, do they pick people of all different ages to kind of see how it affects each one, or do they have like different kind of stages for each age? Um, so when they choose people for the clinical trials, it's, it's hard to get clinical trials to study kids first. They always want to make sure it's safer in adults. Mm -hmm. um, but the way they choose the population depends on the medicine. So mm -hmm. if it's a vitamin study, um, your CF mutation wouldn't matter mm -hmm. um, if they were looking at like a vitamin study. Um, however, if it's a CFTR modulator study, your mutations matter depending on um, the formulas that they're using. and they choose children are important um, usually they'll do um, some studies in adults first mm -hmm. before they add so there's usually been at least a phase two with adults before they look at kids in these studies and then they start with kids usually from 12 to 18 uh, before they look at the next group would be six to um, 11 year olds mm -hmm. and then after that um, they look at um, like two to six year olds. Um, so when they kind of, when they have the study, what things have to go in from like the patient's side to keep it, like what do the patients do to make sure it's nothing interferes with the trial? So I'm assuming like keep your meds kind of on the same regimen and not change stuff up a lot. Um, just kind of what do the patients have to do from their side of it to make sure it doesn't alter the trial? So the patient's responsibility in clinical trials is to um, report any adverse events, of course, to take their medicine mm -hmm. like they're supposed to. It's really important that you take your um, study drug like you're supposed to, whether it be with fat or um, with an empty stomach or mm -hmm. um, what time of day you're supposed to take it. Those are all really important to try to keep it the same across the board for everybody. Um, reporting AEs is super important. Um, any changes that you have in medicine are also really important because we keep track of those medicines so that we can um, link whether, you know, it's um, adverse events might be linked to medications or improvements mm -hmm. might be linked to certain medications you're taking too so that we can um, work that out so that study drugs don't take credit where credit's not due mm -hmm. or take blame where blame isn't due as well. Mm -hmm. um, I remember through one of the clinical trials I was in, I got sick 
and we ended up dropping out of it because we weren't sure like what was happening um when someone does get sick if they have to go on like IV therapy would that cause them to drop out of the trial because it would be such like an adverse thing to happen if it's linked to the study drug your safety is almost always foremost mm -hmm. important so if your adverse event is linked to the study drug there's a couple of different things depending on the the drug sponsor and the uh, principal investigator mm -hmm. at the clinical site that you're participating as well as, as like a safety vigilance team too there's a lot of heads that go into this they look at your safety first mm -hmm. so if it's um, and there's ways they can find out if it's related to drug, like if you're in a phase three open label trial or we, you know that you're on study drug, um, they can, and you have to do an antibiotic that um, interacts with the study drug, many of the times they'll let you take um, like a vacation off of your study medicine until it's safe for you to go back on and you finish the therapy that requires you to be off. Um, most clinical trials will allow for that because when they lose a participant they kind of it doesn't work out as far as the statistics go and they lose all the data that was attached to that person for the entire trial but if it's a randomized trial and they don't know if you're really on drug or not there is a way to unblind people and they try not to do that too because then they lose your data for that too but there's ways around it if, however, you know that you're um, actually sick from a study medicine, um, most likely they would have you come off of the study medicine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of, what is the process of getting onto a clinical trial? Like the screening visit, um, or does it vary so much between each different trial? Well, getting chosen um, depends on. Um, the clinical trial itself, I think, because for some clinical trials, um, there's like a waiver of PHI, so study coordinators can look at um, like port CF mm -hmm. for CF clinical trials. Um, if there's a, a like a PHI waiver that's been worked out with the internal revenue boards, they can look at a patient population and ask the patients if they want to participate. Mm -hmm. If um, there's not a waiver worked out with the IRBs, um, we can't go out and advertise for our trials. Um, people have to look at clinical trials that are going on, and a lot of people look at clinicaltrials.gov and reach out to us and ask if they can participate in a certain trial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mom, isn't that kind of how um, I got on this trial? Is you, you were you're doing research on it, and then you contacted Monica about it. Uh -huh. Yep, that's how it was. Just I went on for CF. They have their own websites. Is uh, trial finder, clinical trial finder, um, cff.org, and you just put in all the criteria that your particular CF has, your mutation and your lung function, then it kind of opens up what sites have a clinical trial that would be, that you fit the criteria for, um, and then you find out if it's anywhere near your, where you live, and so it's a really easy way for you to figure out if you're eligible for a, a clinical trial and what's out there and where it is and what, what trial it is. Yeah, my mom, what an angel. She contacted Monica many times to see <laughs> if I can get on this trial, and luckily I was able to get onto it about a year ago. This is, yeah, it'll be yeah. exactly a year that we've yeah. been on the trial. Yeah. 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 Um, so kind of your position, Monica, as a research coordinator, what does that entail for you to do kind of with the patients and with um, whoever is 
what, are, what they call like sponsors for the drugs. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you kind of do with that? So when we find out what we do before we are like awarded the clinical trials, we do it's called feasibility, and um, usually a sponsor will reach out to us and say, "Hey, um, we have this." They tell you a little bit about the trial. They don't tell you everything about it because it's all very private um, to them. They tell you a little bit about the trial and they say, um, we'll need X amount of people and this clinical trial involves this, this, and this. And they'll ask if we think we want to participate. And then they also ask questions like how many other clinical trials we have going on at the same time. And if will have any competing trials so that they can decide whether or not they want to do a clinical trial where there's other trials involving people with the same type of trial. Mm-hmm. Um, they also look at how much staff we have to see if we can handle the workload. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that pretty much sums it up. And then they ask us to run like a numbers to see if we are um, if we have enough patients to meet their goals or not, because if we have like one person, um, a lot of the sponsors won't even want you to participate because it takes a lot of work to get these trials up off the ground and going. And if they're only going to have one person, they might not choose us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where we start it. And then after that, it um, takes a little while and they let us know whether they chose us for their trials. And if they do choose us, um, Our regulatory manager usually starts working out um, budget and contracts and those kinds of things. And then the sponsors ask us to attend investigator meetings where they go over the study protocols um, and expectations of the study. They go over what happens from beginning to end of the study and teach us about um, different things that will be expected. and we get to travel all over the place for those. So those are usually fun. Um, and then we um, then we sit and wait until um, they're ready to get started. And um, what my with my role, what I have done before I, as soon as we're awarded these trials, or actually when we do the feasibility, I've looked at um, our population and I look at how many potential people would have to enroll and once we're awarded, I've reached out to the people and asked them if they are interested in participating and give them a little spiel about the study. And then, um, so that I know by the time we have our investigator meetings, um, who my participants are going to be. Mm-hmm. So that once we're given like a green light for go, because a lot of stuff goes into um, getting a clinical trial ready, especially at a, at a site like ours where I'm a University of Arizona employee, but we use Banner University Medical Center space. So there's like three party contracts Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, involving the sponsor. So those always take longer because everybody has to be in agreement with absolutely everything. And um, after that's good, then we can screen people. Oh, nice. Are there certain places that are kind of designated as a place for clinical trials Um, it's like can they not go to like a random hospital and be like hey do you want a clinical trial are there certain places that have kind of gone through the process to like be able to have clinical trials there so most sponsors want to work with people who are a little bit seasoned for clinical trials so they look 
for principal investigators at um, at centers that have some experience in the disease process, and then they also look at um, um, how many clinical trials they've participated in. Those are part of the feasibility too. So not um, just any center can be asked. Right. There's stuff that goes into. There's quite a bit of um, stuff that they look at before they let a center participate. And one of those things is just the, you know, the disease, knowledge of the disease, and then their experience with other clinical trials. Well, it's all very interesting. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're very busy with all of the clinical trials you're doing and all the work you're doing here. Uh, but thank you for kind of taking the time out every day to talk to me and my mom. Um, and thank you for everything you've done with the clinical trials. Uh, you are a great research coordinator. I love having you help out and everything. Um, is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to mention, or do you think we covered most of it? I think you covered most of it. I want to thank you for participating in our thank clinical you. trials because without people like you, we wouldn't be able to do this. And you sacrifice a lot of blood, time, sweat. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing we Holy don't take love. from you is tears. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe There's some of those once in a while. Yeah. So thank you for all that you do. And yeah. I love my job. It's great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. After talking to Monica, I learned a lot more about clinical trials that I didn't know. As we talked about in the podcast, clinical trials are very important to who get medications on the market and to kind of see how they impact the patients, how they affect the patients, and how helpful they are to the patients. There are all sorts of clinical trials, and obviously I'm very involved in the ones with CF because they help me. And it has been amazing to see, especially the study that I'm on right now, it has been amazing to see how it has affected me and make my lungs better and my overall health better. It has affected me in so many great ways. And I'm so thankful to my mom for getting me on this trial and for Monica for running the trial and everything that has gone into this clinical trial. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Please leave a review and anything like that. If you want to contact me and let me know anything you want me to talk about, please do that. I am mainly on my Instagram. My main Instagram, Jen underscore Griego, or contact me in any other way. I love hearing from you guys, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Because, you know, life is short, and so am I, and I'm just trying to make the most out of every day, and I hope that you guys do too. I hope you all have a great journey, and you make it an epic one. Well, you better know the bottom if you want to be a climber. Because there's always another one a little bit higher. Just when I think I'm finally I'm staring at another one So I reach down deep and I lace them up tighter It was only a mountain Nothing but a big old rock Only a mountain It ain't hard if you don't stop It just took a little step Right then a left and a couple million more who's counting